Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. So I first heard about discipleship groups, this model anyway, uh, in 2015. Okay. We got a new pastor at my church. I, I'd been attending Long Hollow for a while, okay. and a new pastor came in by the name of Robbie Gallaty. Um, and he began to talk about discipleship in a way that I had not heard. And so I thought, this is interesting. I'm excited. What is this all about? And so from someone who has never done intentional discipleship, I'd led some people through some things. I'd read some books. I'd, I'd taken guys through books. You know, all the all the things that we say are discipleship. Uh, but I was first introduced to this model of intentional, multiplying, accountability, memorizing uh, the scripture, sharing what we're reading with others. I know this all sounds like rocket science, uh, but it did at that time because I'd never done it. Mm. So having been in the midst of it for a decade now for yourself, what are some things you would say to those out there, because this what, what this podcast is going to cover is this type of topic yeah. that would say, why do I need to know more about disciple making beyond, hey, we're meeting on Sunday nights to read, you know, whatever the latest and greatest study is, which there are a lot of great studies out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I think that we got to start here because a lot of people would, would say, maybe people listening, well, we, we make disciples. I'm, I'm engaged in disciples. And, and in a sense, let's go back to your life. You were a part of churches where, in a sense, from a distance, you were discipled. Right. Serve with some great pastors through the years. Yes. Uh, but if you and a lot of people would say that, that that's my that's my uh, um, background as well. But if you say this question, uh, it really is where the rubber meets the road. Have you been intentionally, systematically, weekly invested in by another man, if you're a man or another woman, if you're a woman? And I'm talking more than just hanging out at Hardee's, drinking coffee, right. uh, just talking about life. Do love Hardee's. Hardee's is good. Now, or or or, or Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A is a good choice too, unless you know, it's Sunday. Who? Well, that's true. But who doesn't like Christian nuggets? Not not anyone who's a Christian. I would. Or say. Or the Baptist bird. I, I, whatever it is, the Christian chicken. Or Tim Lafleur says, but you're the Christian chicken. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves that. But the reality is, it's more than that. And so here here's here's the question: Have you been systematically invested in by another person through accountability, through transparency, mm-hmm. through scripture memory, reading the Bible. And then here's, here's another question. Have you reproduced that? Yeah. Because the reality is if you've been invested in, that's one level of discipleship. Mm-hmm. But the question is, have you reproduced that in your life? Right. Because if the disciples didn't reproduce that first century group, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be here today. Well, and what do you think, uh, you know, when I think about this process, and, and you mentioned earlier the churches I've been a part of, I've been a part of some great churches with some great leaders, uh, but one of the things that we focused on was, here's how you intentionally lead someone to Christ with this evangelistic uh, strategy plan program. There were all kinds of them, you know, at EE, we had life. Mm. Um, I, I think now there's three, there's a lot of good strategies out there Four spiritual laws track. Um, yep. You've been through all that stuff. And our the churches I've served in and many that I know of have really leaned into creating an intentional gospel sharing method, yep. training their people in that and then saying, here is the win. Yeah. Someone crossing the line of salvation. Now, obviously, that's something God does, not, not something we do. None of the leaders I've worked with have ever said it's on you. But there's been a high level of accountability and intentionality in sharing the gospel. Mm. How do you think we've missed that same mindset when it comes to discipleship for yeah. so long? 
Well, here, here's the problem, I think. And it's, uh, it's a problem that we inherited. It's not even on the present day pastors. Uh, it's not even, uh, the onus is not even on the people. We have taught people for years how to share their faith, mm-hmm. but we have not taught them how to share their life. Okay. And we have, listen, we have misconstrued the word discipleship or make disciples to mean make converts, to make decisions, to even make Christians. But if you look at the New Testament, the word Christian is only found, guess how many times? That's a good question. Three times. Wow. One of those times, you could almost say two of those times is in a negative sense. Acts chapter 11, they're making fun of them. Little Christ, you're following a dead man on a cross. Come on. Yeah. It wasn't until later in Peter where it was a positive term. Now, I'm not saying the word Christian is a bad term, but think about this. In comparison to the yeah. word disciple, guess how many times the word disciple is used? Guessing more. Just it's by a the way few more. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit more, yeah. 269 times wow. in the New Testament, 238 times in the Gospels. So it begs the question, what does Jesus want us to produce, Christians or disciples? Now, the word disciple means learner. Yeah. So it's more than just an attendee. It's more than being a Christian. The word Christian is a static term. Mm-hmm. Get this. The, the disciple word is a dynamic term. It has action. There's an emotive aspect to it. So here's the challenge, I think, if I could just speak freely. Well, I think on this podcast, that is one thing you're allowed to do. Okay, good. If I could speak just freely. Just this time. Yeah, if I could speak freely. Here's the challenge. And this is a personal belief, but I think many of you would share this. If you lead a person to Christ and you don't disciple them, it's almost as bad as not leading them to Christ. Because here's the challenge. You are creating spiritual orphans who do not know how to grow in their faith. And in a sense, you have created a bigger problem than they had to begin with. Wow. Now think about that. That's that's an interesting way to look at it. And it, it definitely makes me look back at my own walk and the times I've shared my faith, led someone to Christ and thought, man, I've won. This person's baptized. Let's celebrate that eternity in heaven. Uh, no longer have to fear being separated from God forever in a place called hell. And obviously, we want to see that happen. Yeah. Um, but then I think the easy way was to kind of uh, say, okay, here's the wave the celebration flag and then move on to the next individual. And, uh, yeah. and so this process has really made me open my eyes to what the Christian life is really about. But I will say this I think when people look at Replicate, I think there are a lot of people that look at disciple making as a whole and they think to themselves, all they're trying to do is gather up their people and meet and become insular. They're not focused (laughs) outside the church. Uh, We're spending all this time while people are uh, on their way to an eternity separated from God. So if I can just talk, you know, let me pretend for a second that I'm a pastor at one of those churches and I'm looking at a church like Long Hollow now and I'm looking at a pastor who is passionate about sharing your life beyond just the gospel presentation and actually completing the process of disciple making and walking with people and growing them. Um, what, what do we say to those who say, you know, I exist because, you know, just to reach those who are far from God. Um, what do we say to those leaders who, you know, rightfully want to see people come to Christ just like we do, just like you do. Um, but, but kind of have a, a, maybe a mindset that would say, Plugging this in detracts from that greater mission, I guess, maybe in their mind. I'm not sure. Well, okay, here's the reality. I am passionate about evangelism and reaching people. Passionate. And uh, I've always been passionate. When I first came to Christ, I don't know if you guys remember the million-dollar bill. Everywhere I went, Ray Comfort, million-dollar bill. I remember bills. being disappointed with that every time I saw it. Oh, it, it like, worked for me, man. Is I, this real much? Oh, <laughs> I use it all the time. 
I go to people at Walgreens and coming out of uh, Kmart. You got to remember when I was Walmart. growing up, we had the Chick Track, so it was like a little comic book. You remember those? No, Have you ever seen that those? That was before me. These are the greatest. Uh, well, they're they're terrible <laughs> theologically. Oh wow! But as far as a track, when I was a little kid, they're like mini comic books that told stories of uh, of how to come to Christ, and they were pretty pretty awful. But in in their but they were cool looking. Uh, the, well, they, they were comic books, you okay. know, so it's like a little miniature comic book and, you know, and th- that this was your life, you know, this type of story over and over again. And uh, and that was the precursor to the million dollar bill. But okay. I got off track. So you, you okay. had the million dollar bill. So I got the so so I, I used to be in itinerant ministry. I thought I was going to travel the country for the rest of my ministry, preach crusades, revivals. And uh, what really changed for me, and this is really where the change happened. I was in the Philippines on a mission trip. And uh, they had asked me to go and preach this revival in a country uh, or a place called Dumaguete City. So we flew into Manila, flew down to Dumaguete City. We were in Freedom Park. It was a park where three schools converged, two high schools, one college. We hired a local Filipino uh, Christian band to play Christian music. They gathered the people. I would get up and preach. I still remember what I preached. Can, can I ask the name of the, the Christian band? I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. So you got I'm sorry. You got to. It was a local was, was band. Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't Filipino know what the band Christian was. Band. I'm but it was a band in the community. Okay. Apparently, people knew who they were. They gathered a bunch of students. I mean, hundreds of students gathered. I got up and preached the message. Ephesians two eight. I still remember. I pulled out a local uh, bill of their currency. I called a person out the audience. I said, "Would you like to have this bill?" He said, "Yes, I would." I said, "Did you do anything to earn it?" He said, "No, I didn't." I said, "I'm going to give it to you. This is grace." Oh wow. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus gives the same free gift of salvation if you put your trust in him. The response time, Chris, was unbelievable. I mean, there were so many people at the front. We literally, at the second day, gave out all the Bibles, all the tracts we had. When we finished the conference, when the speakers were getting packed up and the lights were getting turned off and the uh, people who responded were being patted on the back for a job well done, you came to Christ, praise God. I sat on the corner of that stage and I looked at these people go into the night And the Lord impressed upon my heart through the Holy Spirit, who's going to invest in these people? Wow. Who's going to help them walk in their Christian life? Who's going to help them mature into the image of my son? And I really got convicted. That was 2005. I came back and I decided to do something different. And and here's what I realized. And and for the pastor out there, we're not trying to make you feel bad about non-discipleship for so many years. We want to encourage you that the best place to begin and the best time is now. Here's the reality. We, we can measure salvation fairly easy. Yeah. We can measure conversion. We can count baptisms, right? It's very hard to gauge biblical growth. Yes. It's very hard to gauge spiritual maturity. But we feel, we realize that that's a kingdom investment, right? Long term. And so the challenge we want to share with people is this. When we talk about discipleship and disciple making and evangelism, I think it's important to define the terms because what I've realized through the years is that because we, and I watch this, because we haven't heard the word discipleship for so many years, like like when I was at Brainerd, this is fascinating. Lady in her late sixties came up to me one Sunday after I'd just gotten there, Brainerd Baptist church. I was pastoring that church, uh, 2008. She said, pastor, I want to share something with you. I've been a Christian most of my adult life. You're the first pastor who's ever mentioned the word discipleship. Wow. Now, that's not even on her because let's yeah. let's be honest. Who could tell me the word discipleship was kind of floating around 20 years ago? 
Yeah. Nobody was talking about it. Only now we're talking about. It. So when people hear the word, word discipleship, they have sometimes a misunderstanding or even disciple making. So let's just define the terms. Can okay. we do that? Yeah. Because I think that will help us. The word disciple making is the overarching banner for both evangelism and discipleship. So if you're looking at a, a banner, disciple making is up top. Right. Jesus said, Matthew 28, go make disciples. How do you do that? Through evangelism. And discipleship. Here's another way to think of it. Through inviting a Christ, evangelism, right. and then investing in those you invite. Listen, we're not trying to say we don't want to reach people for the gospel. We want to reach a lot of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are highly evangelistic. Here's the challenge. I don't want to be the only evangelist on staff. I don't want to be the only evangelist in the church. Right. Because if pastors are honest, leaders are honest... Outside of your staff, there is a small contingency of people who are sharing their faith with lost people. Now, let me give you one, in, one, one example. Just this morning, a guy in my present discipleship group, we haven't even gotten, we're only a couple weeks in, we haven't even gotten to the chapter in the section where we're going to talk about evangelism. But he's already sharing his faith and his life with people. He texted us this morning. I regularly text my D group every week. How can we pray for each other? He responds back and says, pray for this guy that I'm ministering to at the gym. He's been disenfranchised with church. He's all, he's been burned in the past. He has an addiction issue years ago, like you, Robbie, he said. He said, but he said to me, the problem with most Christians is they just try to convert me and they don't want to spend time with me. To which my, you ready for this? Hello. Hello. <laughs> to which the guy in my discipleship group said, I stayed with him through his whole workout at the gym just to hang with him. He has now decided to come to church, and he wants to be baptized. He says he's a believer, but he has never followed through with baptism, and he wants to take the next step in his spiritual journey to grow closer to the Lord. Now, here's what the challenge is. Did I ask him to do that? No. Did I say, hey, listen, turn in your uh, evangelism report this week. How many doors did you knock on? How many, you know, listen, how many tracks did you give tread up? Tread lightly, tread okay. lightly. Just being honest. I, I haven't been a part of church like that, but I've heard of churches like that. How many, how many gospel conversations did you, and I'm not saying we don't have accountability because we need to, but here's the point. He is speaking from the overflow of his daily reading and his scripture memorization. And it's not because he has to, to check a box to please the Lord. It's because he wants to. Now here's the point. What goes in your mind will come out of your mouth. Yes. And I believe Chris, one of the reasons we're not seeing evangelism in conventions and denominations and churches today is because our people have been drawing from an empty well. Wow. I agree with that. And I think the challenge is, you know, if I, if I'm one of these pastors, we go back to that, that question of, you know, why would I be maybe uh, not against this? I don't think any, any pastor out there is against discipleship, but maybe a mindset that if we focus on too much on discipleship, we're, be, we're going to become insular. We're not going to be as evangelistic, et cetera. I don't know any of those pastors who wouldn't want to have an impact of pouring their life into other leaders to multiply those leaders so that they would go and do the same with that same spiritual DNA of the leader. And, yeah. and a lot of the pastors I've served for, they, they invest in guys. And I think just seeing this as a consistent, intentional investment process where you're showing to so a lot of the Christian life is implied. Oh, you, you, mm. you got saved. Yeah. You get baptized. You come to church a lot. You give consistently. You become a part of a group. We teach those things because people see those things happening. But what happens when I go home and I'm arguing with my wife every night? 
What happens when my, my children come home and, and we have an issue there? What happens at work when I have this uh, rift in a relationship with the boss? All of those little things, I think, obviously they can be taught through sermons, through Bible studies, but in a weekly accountability situation where we're reading God's word and we're applying it to our life. That application is so important. Um, I think it's a game changer, obviously. Uh, I know you think it's a game changer. One final question. Well, let me say this before we go on, because I think this is important. Okay, this is important. Pastor, you want to see people share their faith more in your church? Hold them accountable. Okay? And I'm talking more than a clarion call. Hey, who did you invite to church this Sunday from the pulpit? When you get in these intentional discipleship groups, and let me define what these groups are. These are gender-exclusive groups that meet once a week. What I mean is men will meet with men, women with women. There's a reason for that. Men are not going to be open to share their struggles with women, including their wife in the room. But if you get a group of men together, a group of women, they're more open. They meet for 12 to 18 months high accountability, intentionality. It's like a spiritual boot camp for a season of their life with the purpose of reproduction. Now, think about this. Where else will you get that kind of accountability? Forget Bible reading. Forget loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Forget scripture memory. Forget praying and spending time with God. When are you going to get, where are you going to get that level of accountability to look a man in the eye and say, who did you share your faith with this week? You don't have it. Right. You don't have it in the church. So if pastors will realize this is an engine to fuel evangelism, to fuel sharing your faith right. uh, on, a, on a robust level and not against it, I think we'd see revival. I think churches. that is the game changer. Pastors who are consistently saying, share your faith, invite someone to church, both, both great messages. The accountability is missing there a lot of ways because the next Sunday you can't say, hey, raise your hand if you invited someone because you, you may have that person with you or, you know, raise your hand if you, you shared your faith. Maybe you could ask it that way, but the accountability is very low. That's good. A raising of a hand. But in a group, like you said, they're talking to someone, you're praying for the individual, you're you're pushing to action and you're holding accountability, holding people accountable to that action. One final question as our time is wrapping up here. I said I was going to ask a question no one's asked before. Mm. I've never heard the answer to this question. Mm. Wow. It's a question that I have not heard the answer to, and maybe you've given this answer. I've just not heard it. Okay. <laughs> but I want to know, give me the results of a little bit of an overview and backstory to your very first discipleship group. Ooh. When was it? And what has come of that, gr- the, wow. the, that group of guys? Ooh, it's a good question. <laughs> do you even remember? I do remember. Is this still working? That's the question. That is really the question. Okay. Uh, it was a group of three. Uh, it was a guy named Jesse, a guy named Jason, and a guy named Jody. Okay. It was a Motley the three crew. J's. The three J's. The three J's. Uh, triple J and me. Okay. And uh, we met every Friday okay. for lunch. We called it Hot Dogs and Jesus. Okay. Interesting. Uh, pretty original, right? We ate hot dogs and we studied about Jesus, right? And this is the early days. This is 2006. So we're going okay. all the way back. Now, keep in mind, I had discipled guys before in 2003 and just kind of loosely and then i was discipled by david in 2003 but this is the official group at emmanuel baptist church gotcha and we met every week now the here journal was something i created there okay so we there was no it didn't exist for this first group no it didn't exist we created it okay and i piloted it and i said let's just try it i don't even know if this thing's going to really work like it like it should but I, i believe it will so i challenged these guys and i'll tell you just the beauty of a group of three it was three guys and me a group of four total uh 
One of the guys in the group did not do hear journals. He said, I don't need to. I've read the yeah. Bible before. His dad was a pastor. This was a motley crew of guys. One of the guys had just gotten out of jail for growing hydroponic marijuana in his attic. Oh, wow. Uh, of the business. Okay, that's a whole other story. Quick change of pace there from there yeah. to the discipleship group. Yeah, exactly. The second guy had just gotten out of rehab. His dad was a deacon, just gotten out of rehab. And the third guy was an older guy who was disenfranchised with the church. And you have a motley crew of guys. You had two guys in their 20s, one guy in his uh, late 40s, uh, early 50s. And so just this motley crew of guys, if you yes. can imagine. But it was a great group. Uh, we tried things. And, and so we tried the Hear Journal. And one, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, one of the guys didn't do it. He said, man, I'm not interested in doing it. I, I've read the Bible before. I said, but you haven't done a Hear Journal. He yeah. said, that's true. Now, for the two weeks we met, two of the other guys came every week, five days a week. I didn't make them do seven. We did five. And they shared what they heard from God every week. And uh, what I did was I used the leverage of those two on this new guy, on this guy who didn't do it. And I said, hey, listen, why don't you try to just do a hear journal? He said, no, it doesn't work. I said, well, you don't know if it works because you hadn't tried it. So try it for this week to prove to me that it doesn't work. Then you could say it doesn't okay. work. Okay. So he comes in. I'll never forget this. The next week he comes in, Friday. We couldn't even put mustard on the dogs. And he had his journal open. And he said, let me share with you guys what God has spoken to me. Oh, that's awesome. And I thought if he can do it. Anybody can do it, okay? And from that point on, now, uh, one of the guys just emailed me last week his oh, here wow. journal. He is still logging here oh, journals. That's awesome. Another guy this year at the church in that group just got elected to be a deacon at the church. And the other guys still following Jesus. So, and they're all investing in guys, and they're all being invested in. And so I say all that to say what God started back then as an idea. Yeah has really blossomed and manifested into this movement that is still going on at the first church we try today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.